There we go. See, this sounds professional. Okay, I'm recording my end. Just, we, 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 we sound like we know what we're doing. So, Well, for now. Let's, let's wait till we start the show. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> I think we just did. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had to turn off a lot of stuff because I forget uh, uh, the gadgets I get to review and I forget how much stuff I have. Oh, okay. I, to, I thought you meant apps yeah, and stuff, to, like Twitter or app.net or anything oh no i just i just uh, i just like uh, turn off the speakers and don't bother oh okay <laughs> yeah but uh yeah i have like four android tablets here now wow and they're all uh uh like i'm all i'm signed in to all of them with my gmail account oh so they all go off at once <laughs> yeah and i had a i had a calendar entry for us for the record time so at like uh, 10 minutes to Four here, uh, it, they just all started <laughs> like going that off. That is that is the new <laughs> opening to Back to the Future. If they were to remake it, it would be a bunch of tablets going off all at the same time with their alarms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we we're basically living in the future. Yeah, now. that's yeah. I think we are. Yeah. So yeah, I, I had to have that sorted, but I think I I got all of them. I think so. I I always say this at the start of episodes. I don't know why, but I'm usually at home when I record with the Americans and stuff. So, mm. you know, I just need to, you know, turn everything off. So. Understandable. Uh, uh, so so we should start. And I'm, I'm just going to ask my first question, which is always the same. So who are you and what do you do? Uh, I am Harry Marks. I run CuriousRat.com. I used to be a regular on the In30 podcast at In30.net. Um, I've popped up on a couple of others, uh, The Impromptu, uh, Enough with Patrick Rohn. Um, and I'm a writer for the most part. Uh, I've written two novels, still waiting to be published, and that's about it. Okay, so let's go into the writing first, and then we'll talk tech and not. Okay. But uh, <laughs> uh, the, the the two novels, like, uh, how much can you tell us about them? Basically? Uh, the first one, the first one was really a, a proof of concept of, um, you know, can can I write a full length novel? And the answer was yes, barely. Uh, and I uh, barely in both terms of word count and how it turned out. Uh, and I, I wrote a piece called On Rejection um, about basically querying the, the novel out to agents, getting them back. I sent out 23 query letters. I got back 16 rejections and the others I just never heard from. And I figured, you know what, this is this is what they always say with your first novel. You know, write it, throw it in a drawer, and never let it see the light of day again. And that's probably a good idea. I, I think I refer to it as a, a work of ego-stroking hackery. And the second one is um, a little more... They, they both fell into... I didn't know this genre existed at the time, and it, it didn't when I was growing up. But it's called New Adult, and it apparently encapsulates the age range of 18 to late 20s early 30s uh that that second coming of age you're supposed to have in your mid 20s i i guess um mm -hmm. so that's what both of them seem to fall into and the second one deals with the recession and uh, you know your the main character's plans to go to grad school have fallen through the cracks his parents one of his parents lost their job so he's got to stay home now and help take care of the family and it's a it's a funny book but it deals with a lot of heavy crap so i'm currently querying that one out i think i'm up to five rejections now so i'm, I'm well on my way to where the other one left off 
Yeah, but you said you got like you sent out twenty five for the first one, and you got like fifteen back or sixteen yeah. back. That that's a lot. I just figured you know they wouldn't even bother. You know what I mean? Some don't. Like, some, just, yeah, some some will yeah. tell you right off the bat if we don't like it, we're not going to respond. And so after three months, I assume they didn't like it. Um, and so, for the most part, almost all of them now because it's all done through email and not self addressed stamped envelope anymore. They'll send back a form rejection. You know, we're sorry, this just isn't for us. Good luck with the your future endeavors kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you think it was easier before when it was an actual letter and like you sent in a manuscript and stuff, or is it better now that it's email so you just get feedback? <laughs> I think it's <laughs> fast. I think it's a double edged sword. It's definitely easier for the sender, for the for the writer to get his work out there because you don't have to worry about printing it and then shipping it off to and paying all that postage and everything. You know, there's a lot less out of pocket. You're literally just exporting to a PDF or pasting into an email and sending it off to the agent or the editor and you know, hoping you hear back. Uh but at the same time, I feel like it's harder now to break in um especially for debut novelists because there's so much out there and they want now everything's genre based. It's uh, from what I've seen, it's not very much like, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird would need to be f- f- pushed into a, a certain genre for it to be picked up now. If it's not supernatural romance or a Fifty Shades clone or, um, you know, a, a, a puzzler like a Dan Brown novel, then they really don't want to know about it. I'm not saying in terms of bad writing or good writing. I'm just saying, like, they want genres. They want su- paranormal romance. They want new adult. They want young adult. They want young adult with a blah 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 like everything is very genre based now and and so i feel like a lot of a lot of novelists just starting out who just want to tell a good story if they don't find that genre that fits them then they're out of luck so where where does the internet come in like you run your curious Mm rat right but so how does that fit into the whole you know i want to be a writer and you know i'm starting out online well curious rat started two and a half three years ago i've lost count now uh but and it it started as your typical link tech blog uh so cloning john gruber or um the loop or anything like that so i would post links maybe a quote from a thing and then two or three words of commentary and then more longer posts after that and then now i've just sort of i've not sort of i've fallen out of the whole tech realm i've honestly gotten so sick and tired of the the punditry and all the bs that comes with it and i i've drifted much more towards the creative arts and the stuff i link to so writing music movies fun stuff i find that someone else might not link to that's really what i'm putting up there yeah, that's why I like the site actually, because oh, you know, you. the the whole pundit punditry kind of link blogs. I mean, there's just one John Gruber. Yeah, and I, I think he, and yeah. I, have, I have a firm philosophy and and belief that if John Gruber linked to it, I'm not going to because they've already seen it. So what's the point of me linking to some? I've seen I, I see a lot of people and a lot of great writers do it. That you know, John Gruber posts a link to something with a couple of words of commentary, and then someone says, "Oh, you should see what John Gruber linked to." It's like, no, they've already seen it. You know, everyone, everyone in this industry reads John Gruber's site, so they're not going to come to me for anything more unless I actually have something to add to it. So how how come you like tech? Because you know, if you're writing novels about uh, you know somebody going through the recession and all that stuff, well, how how I got into tech before the recession, but <laughs> I, uh, I I just I always loved the new shiny. I always loved seeing how technology was progressing and seeing where 
you know, how far cell phones had come. When I saw the first, the, the iPhone was introduced in those first commercials, I was frothing at the mouth. Before that, it was the sidekick too. I mean, for me, when I was a teenager growing up, that was, that was it for me. That was what I had to have. And it was, it, it never stopped. And I'm, I'm still into technology. I still love seeing what the next iPhone is going to be or what, you know, what, Microsoft is doing with Windows Phone, contrary to to what Zach Saishi thinks, and I know you had him on the show. That was a very good episode, by the way. Uh, and I'm Thanks. I'm saying this just to goad him, but uh, I I just love seeing how things are progressing, and I, I absolutely adore. It. But at the same time, I've gotten kind of tired of the whole. I don't want to say the Sturm and Drang of it, but it's it's really it's gotten to be a very toxic industry, especially on the the analysis side. Uh, you've got the rumor blogs on one side with their nonsense. You know, is this the iPhone 5C? Is this the next iPad? Blah, blah, ah, Who cares? I, when they show it, they show it. I don't care otherwise. And then you've got the the Yahoo's and the Forbes's and Wall Street Journal's with the constant Apple bashing because page views and headlines. And then you've got really the only tech blogs I subscribe to anymore, The Loop and John Gruber, 512 Pixels, you know, personality driven with smart commentary, stuff that's actually worth reading. And that's really what I've been focusing on now. I've unsubscribed in my RSS reader from just about every tech blog you could think of. And not because they were bad or good, but because I'm sick of it. And I have other things to focus on. And it's funny because now I'm, I'm focused more on the analog side of things. I've, I've fallen into the pen nerd category on app.net and I've been talking to people and about inks and fountain pens and stuff. I own a typewriter. Um, the first draft of my next book will be entirely written on the typewriter. Um, and I, I love it. I, I've gone back to paper books. I've gotten rid of e, not gotten rid of ebooks, but I pick and choose and mostly paper. Um, I really only go to ebooks if it's huge or something I'm embarrassed to be reading in public. And <laughs> that's, that's really where it's, it's come to now. I've, I've sort of reverted all the way back to the beginning and I, I'm much happier with pen and paper than I was with the 37 productivity apps that I downloaded from the app store. Well, yeah, the productivity apps. Um, yeah, um, I've never like downloaded and installed one of them. So, you know, I get you. But why, why back to paper books? That's the only one I don't get. That was the only thing I kind of picked up on that because that feels like actually going back. I like the other stuff is sort of a personal choice, I think. But you know, I think the e-ink stuff is actually like so superior to the to the actual paper. I I disagree, and here's why. Paper paper books are a tactile experience. Smell, touch, uh, if you're weird, taste. Uh, but if for me, it, I love the feel of a book in my hand. I love to turn the pages. The paper doesn't need to be recharged. And then the other thing is, I when I was in an, when I lived in an apartment, I'm in a house now. But when I was in an apartment, I was all ebooks because I didn't have the room for books. So ebooks were perfect. I could take my nook with me and I'd be fine. Now that I have the house, I want to be surrounded by books. I want it's it's inspiring to be surrounded by knowledge and great writing and to be able to just pull a book off a shelf and flip through it and put it back and not have to scroll through menus. It's a very satisfying experience for me. So who who cleans all of that stuff? That's my question. Who cleans all of it? Yeah, cuz you know, books and dust. Oh, like yeah. Best I, 
That's my main objection. I, I usually run a hand <laughs> across the tops of the, the... You know, I'd rather recharge a Kindle than have, like, you know, 700 books on uh, well, shelves at my house. Right now it's then, the opposite. You know, just clean them off every two weeks because I'd be annoyed that there was so much dust. Oh, yeah, no. that Right now the only thing collecting dust is my nook. The, the books get red. <laughs> Yeah, okay, fair. Well, you know, but when you're done with them, they kind of just sit there, don't they? Oh, yeah, but I, I find it a lot easier if I need to reference something to just pluck the book off the shelf and flip to the page than have to scroll through and then have to find the page and the, you know, either tab through with my thumb or if it's a touchscreen like an iPad, you know, find it that way. It's, for me, it's always been easier to just go right to the book. Okay, well, that, it makes sense then that you're doing the next book on, you know, typewriter, I guess. But what does that mean, a typewriter? Like, what, like one of those old tiny ones or like an IBM thing that's almost a computer? No, well, it is a manual typewriter from 1958, 1959. It's, um, it's very clicky clacky. It is the, it's even clickier than a Matthias Tactile Pro. And it's, <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. It's a, it's a hulking piece of metal and it is a beautiful work of engineering and I adore using it. So then I, I'm guessing you're on a, on a mechanical keyboard, right? Uh, well, no, I, I'm I'm podcasting right now from a, a MacBook Air uh, with not a mechanical keyboard attached. Oh, but you used to write on a mechanical one, or you just got you know the whole Apple chiclet thing? Um, for the well, I have an iPad and I have the the Apple keyboard for that with the origami case for it, so I can use it as a stand. Uh, but I, I never got the honestly it came down to money. I just never had the money to spend on a mechanical keyboard. Like I wanted a tactile pro. I love the sound of the clacky keyboard. I just never had the money for it. Yeah, I, I have a Steel Series G6. It's like it's supposed to be a gaming keyboard, but it's not really. It really looks like an adult keyboard, which is why I bought. Oh, nice. It. And it's awesome, but we we can debate cherry switches for an hour, so we'll <laughs> move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay, going back to tech and the whole punditry thing, I, the reason I like your site is because, you know, you like you do yell a lot, basically, but you do have a measured approach I, to the whole thing. I don't know if yelling kind of is the I'm right word. I'd, I'd say uh, sternly scolding. Stur- that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, sternly scolding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm sort of kind of, I'm kind of drawn to people that are sort of you know they don't do the typical punditry stuff and don't do the whole tribal mentality. You know, I'm you know I like Samsung. That's why the iPhone sucks and whatever, all of that stuff. So where does that come from? You just got sick of it and then tried to do it. Yeah, or I, what you? I mean, a lot of a lot of the early site was. Look at all the stupid stuff Samsung's doing. Look at all the stupid stuff the Microsoft's doing. Look at all, and I, you know, after a while, it's like, really, what is the point? What does it matter what anybody else uses? I, I, I know that um, I've gotten into some arguments with people on on Twitter and uh, to, not to a great degree on app.net, but mostly on Twitter. You know, I I have a feeling my next smartphone is going to be a Lumia 1020. Uh, I'm going. I've owned an iPhone since the very beginning. And I, I honestly think I'm going to make the switch. And it's not because the iPhone's a bad device at all. It's a beautiful device. And it's got a great app ecosystem. But when I look at the Lumia 1020, I love Windows Phone. I've loved it since the Samsung Focus, uh, which I got as a clout perk. And I know a lot of people make fun of clout, but it's actually – it had its moments. And that was one of them. For, for me, getting a free Samsung Focus out of the deal, hell yes. Uh, and – the camera on that is absolutely amazing. I've seen some of the pictures taken with it, and it's it's gorgeous. It would replace any camera I'd need. Um, I'm not a photographer by any stretch, so I don't 
I don't know if I'd ever own a DSLR so or, or an SLR or anything like that. So, uh, but yeah, I got really sick of the the back and forth, you know, and and a lot of sites still do that stuff. Look at the the Surface ads for Microsoft. Yeah, they're sad and pathetic, but what does it matter? No one's buying them anyway, and the people who do buy them seem to like them. So. Really, is this what we want to surround ourselves with, and and this is how we want to be remembered as as harbingers of the stupid stuff other tech companies do? It seems pointless to me. Yeah, but um, you see, I think we needed time to get there, where where it would seem pointless, because at the start everybody could publish, you know, because of the internet, I guess. So, you know, I think it was normal that most people just went there. But yeah, like the last couple of years have kind of slowed things down. And I think a lot of people are moving away from the whole tribal mentality thing, but still not as many as I'd like to see. <laughs> well, um, the, the one thing I wanted to ask you uh, about is if, if you take out the punditry stuff, you know, and all of the, you know, the Apple bashing, page page view grabbing headline stuff right but sites like the virgin and gadget and all of those you know tech blogs or tech sites whatever you want to call them like the one thing i do kind of like about that them is that they do like first-hand reporting which you know john gruber doesn't do a hell of a lot of first-hand reporting so where do you think that balance is you know i think i mean i think first-hand reporting is awful I think it is pointless. I think, especially when The Verge does it, and I, I chide them for this constantly. Uh, but my biggest issue with this, and I'll, I'll here's a perfect example, and this this also goes to their reviews because the reviews are written about ten minutes after they get their hands on the device. Uh, David Pierce's Nexus Seven review claimed that this is the the best small tablet out there. That it's it. It doesn't matter that the app ecosystem isn't there. This is better than the iPad mini. The screen is, is as retina as you're going to get. Um, it's the perfect thing to hold, blah, blah, blah. But he says in the beginning of his piece that his last Nexus 7 sat in a drawer for six or after a couple of months of using it. Like he just stopped using it. It wasn't doing it for him. He went back to the iPad or something. So what use is a first-hand report because a first-hand report's always going to be oh look how great this looks because it's new and it's shiny and we're getting our hands on it for the first time i'd rather read a review of a device or a, or a report on a device a month after the reviewer using it than over the last weekend like for me a first-hand report is nothing and on the verge here's here's the, here's what their first-hand reports are it's a picture of the device behind glass with more coming soon written underneath it. That was the that was the the Mac Pro first-hand report right after it was announced. How valuable is that to someone? Well, yeah, but the I mean like some of the reviews are written like way in advance and then just the embargo lifts and everybody posts. So, yeah, you know? some of them I, I know mean, Apple gives get... their devices away like a week or two in advance and and Apple devices are always reliable I I would think with the iPhone and everything. I mean unless there is a major flaw discovered 3 months after you have an iPhone 5, uh, I think it's going to be pretty much the same as the iPhone 4 and the 4S in in terms of what you're going to get from it. But it, with with the Nexus 7, you know, they're touting all these improved things on it or with the next Galaxy or with the whatever or or even the next MacBook Air. You know, the 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 MacBook Air is has this amazing battery life. What's it like after a month? What's it like after two months? Does it still hold the charge? Does it still, you know, is it still as fantastic as it was when you had it that first weekend? That's the kind of stuff that, that irks me. I'd rather have a delayed but correct or as thorough a review as possible 
than one that's written right over the weekend because we got to get it out because page views. Yeah, but how feasible is that? You know, I mean, where do you draw the line in a month, two months, like three? Well, months? that's what's the time. Period? Unfortunately, with with the the advent of the internet, that's the problem. It's all about instant gratification. If if our review isn't out immediately, then it might as well not exist. And that's that's the and that's journalism in a nutshell. If it's not if it, you're not first, you're irrelevant. Well, nah, nah, I, I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know where to. <laughs> it's look, look, it's, the, the, it's online journalism more, now. If you're, I mean, who's gonna like who's gonna produce the news that then every other like uh, link blog links to? I don't get how that works if you don't have the big tech sites. You know, or the New York Times, or the Wall Street Journal. Would it, like, where does the meat for all of the, you know, link blocks come from? Would it be such a loss if some of those link blocks disappeared because they wouldn't be able to link to the big tech sites? Wouldn't we rather? Yeah, but even the good ones. I'm talking. You know, wouldn't we rather uh, have? Let's let's say Stephen Hackett's site is good. Well, it is, but let's you know. And like, if he doesn't have like any of like anything to link to, I mean, what happens then? There's always there's always like, something to link to, and a lot of if since we're using Stephen as an example, a lot of his stuff is, I mean, a lot of it's tech, but a lot of the stuff he links to isn't even from a big tech site. I mean, he links to he got the the Lego DeLorean kit he put pictures up of. He talks about his <laughs> yeah, kids and and the the trials they're going through and stuff. So, it, you know, his site is a very personal site. I love his site. Um for the the reason and also his his commentary during live blogs of Apple events are hilarious. Um if you follow him on Twitter, it's really really funny. Um but you know, there are other link blogs out there. A lot of the smaller ones, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll link to stuff I write or, or stuff that I've linked to. And it's, you know, would it be so bad if these people either found something else to talk about, you know, something more thoughtful than what the latest Samsung device was or the latest iPhone was and really put some thought into what they were writing? Yeah, but you see, Samsung is going to sell that device anyway. Right. And then if nobody reviews it you get people buying crap oh no i'm not saying don't review it i'm just saying no but i'm saying don't like that you have to review it pretty fast you know yeah i mean you can't wait three months you can't wait uh for three months and the device is on the market and then people just buy complete crap you can't do that no i understand that but it i the problem i find is that the reviews written and yeah, it's it, it is a problem with the industry because you know these reviews get out there the day they're released or, or the day before the the product is released, and so people need to know if it's worth buying. But you know you don't you're never really going to know if it's worth owning until you've had it for a couple of months. Um, yeah, but you see the the review that comes out over the weekend kind of you know I'm not saying it's a necessary like evil. The, I, I the gospel, but you know they do help with that decision. They do, and and. It's a necessary evil of, of the industry, I think, is, you know, unfortunately, they do need to be out fast. I do appreciate the ones where they've had the device for at least a week. Um, I don't think that happened with the Nexus 7. I think that was literally like a two-day turnaround. Um, but, you know, with the iPhones and the, the MacBooks, usually the big tech sites or the big names like Gruber and The Loop, they get, I'd say, a week in advance uh, of testing it. Um, and then in the in the case of the software like iOS seven and, and uh, Mavericks, you know they'll have it for a couple of months because we've all been testing the betas. So yeah, well that's true. But yeah, okay. So we can 
move on. I think we 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 almost came together at the almost. end. Almost, that was close. <laughs> almost. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to ask you, like, so you're gonna let's say you're actually gonna get the Lumia, okay, right? But you're basically in like you you, you use Apple stuff, and we'll get your hardware like the individual hardware later on. But why why uh, like OS X and you know uh, iOS? Why, why did you gravitate toward that, um, toward that? OS 10 as a consumer as a consumer OS 10 for me when I I got it's it's funny in the mid 90s my parents owned a system 7 machine it was a one of those Mac Performa I think it was a it was a power PC or Performa something so I don't remember it was terrible it was awful it was system 7 was awful and we were <laughs> we swore off Macs for a while because of it so we went back to PC um, we had a, a Packard Bell running Windows 3.1 before that. So I had a gateway when I was in high school. It was slow after a couple of months, viruses, all that stuff. We had a Dell in the house. And then when I went to college, I it was a 2003, I said, I want a Mac. They're better from what I've seen. A lot of people seem to have them. Uh, a lot of my friends seem to have them. So I had the Titanium PowerBook, the 15-inch, uh, and it was amazing. It was my favorite computer at the time. It was just the coolest thing ever. It was fast. It was easy to use. It was intuitive. And ever since then, I've been on Macs. And now that I'm on the 13-inch MacBook Air, the Ma- this 13-inch MacBook Air really is the best computer I've ever owned. Um, I don't have to worry about it. The the issues that I have had with Macs in the past, the Genius Bar has been able to help. That's one thing where I, I never really got behind the whole PC thing is customer support was atrocious. Um, and the the apps I use... <laughs> I love it when Americans talk about customer support <laughs> because it actually exists over there. But yeah, that's another story. Yeah. Just go on, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, let me tell you, the, the one place for customer support, uh, and you actually get to talk to a human being, Hover.com. And I know they're not a sponsor or anything, but I host Curious... I, I uh, registered Curious Rat with them. Hover.com, you call, you get a human being that will help you through there immediately. It is amazing. Um, but going back to the hardware... Uh, yeah, for me, the apps are all on, on Mac, all the apps I need to use. And especially in the case of Scrivener, which I use to write my books, Scrivener is further developed on the Mac than it is on Windows. There is a Windows version, but there it's the Windows version is missing some sync capabilities that are on the Mac and a couple of other things, I think. So for me, the Mac, I'm not leaving anytime soon. Uh, for iOS, before iOS, I had the Sidekick 2. And then I just had a flip phone. It was like the first 3G flip phone that they had ever made. Um, and I had wanted a Windows mobile device for a long time. I wanted a smartphone. And then when the iPhone was coming out, I was just obsessed with it and I was saving for it. And I was like frothing at the mouth to get this thing. And I haven't left that ever since. <laughs> so so the sidekick was the danger company. Mm-hmm. That's Andy Rubin. That's the Google guys yep. now, right? Yeah, they were they were bought by Microsoft. Oh uh, yeah, to do the kin and stuff, yeah. right? But most of them went to do Android, I think. Yeah, the Sidekick Two was a good piece of kit. It was solid. It was. Uh... Yeah, we never got those phones. Oh like, really? We we I've never seen one like ever. I've seen pictures of it, but uh, they were not on sale here. I think that was just an American thing. Yeah, it was my first QWERTY keyboard phone. It was, uh, and I never liked hardware keyboards. That was all right though. But um, I have large hands, so I never really got into the whole. I have a work BlackBerry. I hate the stupid thing. I can't type on it. Well, yeah, okay. I don't know how large your hands are, but I'm six foot eight, so I, I, I bet. Oh wow, you're you're even taller. I love. I'm six three, and I, I have large hands. Wow. Okay. 
Although I, I did use Nokia's most of the time. That's All right, I have to ask you the question I always get asked. Did you play basketball? <laughs> I still play basketball, mm. actually. Nice. Yeah, I still uh, uh, third division, but you know, it's I, it's good for uh, not being that uh, too lazy. As, as a, a half Jew from New Jersey, I am not athletic, so <laughs> I don't know what that means. Why why wouldn't people from New Jersey not be athletic? Uh, well, partly because I'm from New Jersey, but no, uh, <laughs> there there aren't that many Jewish athletes to write home about. You know, Sandy Koufax, we're we're good, but uh, my my people were not athletic, so. <laughs> Okay, so I, I do this thing because I talk to like foreign people on this podcast and I, I do this thing like wh- what's New Jersey like? You know, I, I always have trouble asking this question, but like wh- where do you live and you know, your surroundings and stuff like that? Because this is going to go into my Slovene feed as well. So, you know, so people get an idea. New Jersey is not what television would have you believe. Jersey Shore <laughs> is not New Jersey. In fact, most of the people on Jersey Shore are not from New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey is an interesting place because you can go 10 minutes in any direction and be in farm country or the city or the suburbs. It is a microcosm of America. It's really intriguing. Um, I'm in central New Jersey, so I, I'm in a fairly suburban area, but if I go 10 minutes down the five minutes down the highway, I'm in New Brunswick, New Jersey, which is a, 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 a fairly largish college city. Um, you know, I'm, I'm right near Rutgers University. Um, mm-hmm. So where I am, I've got 0.75 acres of backyard of land. So I've got a really nice sprawling landscape behind my house. Um, but my parents grew up and I grew up in the suburbs. Um, I work in New York. Um, you know, it, New Jersey is, is not what The Sopranos is. It's not even what Real Housewives of New Jersey is. It's... I really hate the way television paints our state because people make fun of our state because it's like, you know, we're the the in-between state you have to drive through to get to somewhere worth going. And New Jersey is a fabulous state to live in. It's corrupt and it's crowded and there are way (laughs) too many people. Okay. (laughs) But it's it's a really fabulous place to live. There are a lot of beautiful areas. Um, uh, There's a lot of farmland up north and down south. And, you know, in the middle, it's pretty much suburbs. So – Suburbs and cities. So uh, New Jersey is great, um, and I, I highly suggest anybody come visit. Uh, I've just been to New York, so you know that was the, the that's the classic thing I think you're supposed to do if you come from Europe to America. See New York, and then the next time maybe. Oh yeah, I, I work in Manhattan. Uh, I love working in Manhattan. It's the, the I, I don't want to work anywhere else. So so what do you do in New York? Like, what's your day job? I work for a law firm. I do their marketing. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, uh, Dan Benjamin said, like, uh, corporate stooge thing. Yeah, that's exactly what I am. I am a corporate stooge, but I get to wear a suit every day, so I'm happy. <laughs> okay, I would die if I had to wear a suit every day, but yeah, okay, I get that. <laughs> I think on Manhattan you kind of have to, I guess. It's, uh, I, let me tell you something. It's, I wrote a piece that, uh, responded to another piece someone wrote that, you know, wearing a suit is bad. And it's funny because, Nerds seem to take pride in a lot of minutiae about themselves, like what coffee they drink or what pen they use or what computer they use. But the one thing that they seem to see as the most utilitarian and not worthwhile thing to focus on is what they wear. And I don't understand it. I mean, of all the places you can make a statement about yourself and show how unique you are is in what you wear every day. 
And so, you know, when I wear a suit, I'm not just putting on, you know, I'm not playing dress up in my dad's suit and it's a box and I look like, you know, Lurch from the Adams family. I, I put thought into what I'm wearing. I, I pattern match and, or, or contrast, you know, if I want to get a certain kind of image going, you know, it, it's a very creative way to tell people about yourself without telling them about yourself. And I, I just find it interesting that there was so much blowback on that. Uh, you know, and it, it's not even about suits. It's about anything you wear. You know, wearing a suit doesn't mean or, – or dressing professionally doesn't automatically mean wearing a suit. You can dress professionally and wear nice pants and a nice shirt, but it's how you present yourself. And I, I understand that, you know, nerds are about results and getting, you know – all that matters is is the end product. But at the same time, you're putting all this effort into what you drink and and what you eat and what you take pictures of and and, and what you're taking pictures with that what you wear on your body every day should also be part of that. Yeah, I'm coming from it from a different perspective because, you know, I think the suit is the most uncomfortable thing I uh, like to wear. Again, because I'm tall, I can't really just buy one. I'd have to have one made. Yeah, you would have to like go bespoke. The only suit I've owned. No, I actually bought. Uh, I actually bought one in New York. <laughs> See, <laughs> and that, enough, and just, uh, the jacket. No, pants. that's really where you're going to have but, to go. Yeah. You're going to have to go to a place like New York. And you're so. See, are you tall and kind of a, a, of a wider stature? Because I found that you, big and tall no, shops. That's that's the biggest problem. Because everybody told me, yeah, just go to America. The sizes there are huge. Yeah, yeah they're not, not really for, like tall, lean people. You know, I can barely get in at like a Macy's or, or a department store for suits. For jeans, I have to get them specially ordered. I can't. You know, I can't buy in a department store. I'm. I'm all leg. But if you go to, um, you know, if you go to a big and tall shop, you actually have to be big and tall. It's not either or. Yes, that was my experience as well. Because I thought I'm going to walk in there and buy five pairs of pants. Yeah, basically. I can't buy pants and anywhere. Not one of them were long enough. Just none. And that. That was the worst, like, yeah, that was my biggest disappointment with America, basically. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's frustrating. Uh, it's, it's, it's not easy being tall. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like being tall, but yeah, it's not easy. It's, yeah, but it's a burden we all have to bear, the tall yep. people. But yeah. Um, so, okay, let, let's go to the hardware and software now. Okay. So, you know, uh, I mean, you talked about it, but the, the stuff you really use now, and uh, I, I want to talk to you about the Nuke as well. But uh, so let's go to the computer and the iPhone. What do you have? Okay. At the moment? So the computer I have is the 13-inch MacBook Air, mid 2011. Um, it's I'm running Mountain Lion on it, and I haven't installed Mavericks on it because I don't want to mess up anything. I, I from what I've heard, Scrivener works fine with it, but I don't want to test it. So um, I, I, Scrivener is like the main app I use for writing the novels and everything. Um, for blog posts, I use it's called Markdown Pro. And it's um, mm-hmm. it's a, an app. On the left side, you get you write in Markdown, and then on the right, you get a preview of it, uh, of what your blog post is going to look like. So it indents everything. It'll italicize if you've put the asterisk around it. All of that. Um, to upload to Curious Rat, I'm using Forklift, uh, which I got. It was on sale for like a couple of bucks, so I bought it immediately, and um, it's a great uh, uh, FTP client. And let's see, browser. I flip between Safari and Chrome. I think I'm going back to Safari because of that security flaw. 
I just haven't gotten around to it yet. That's not a security flaw. Come on. No, it's it's really not. Thing. And people were I, I feel like people were blowing it out of proportion. I you know oh no, they have my computer, they can see my passwords. Well, they have your computer, they can see a lot more too, so Yeah, that, that's my point exactly, yeah. Um to record this, I'm using Piezo. I used it when I was doing in 30 and any podcast I'm on. Um, it's like a $10 app from the App Store, and it records any single input you have. Um, other than that, in terms of software, I'm I'm pretty, uh, I don't know, low maintenance. I, I don't use a lot of apps. I use, um, uh, what is it, Fantastical. Uh, I'm looking at my menu bar here. Mainly Fantastical. I use QuickMailer, I think it's what it's called, or QuickMail X. It sits in the menu bar, and you can knock out a quick email right from the menu bar to any person. I used to send the show notes to my co-hosts that way. Um, you don't actually have to go into the mail application. Um, oh, nice. I did not know that one. Yeah, quick. I'll, I'll send you the link for it. It's uh, pretty handy. Um, oh, and uh, uh, Bartender. Uh, it was the best $15 I ever spent. Oh, man. It basically collects all the menu bar apps you want to put into it and condenses them into one icon. So when you click on this icon, you can um, get all this. It's like a second row of menu bar apps, so it doesn't clog up your whole menu bar. That's a really handy one. Oh, and now that I'm looking in their Dropbox, all my work is synced to Dropbox. Um, and then I use an app called Found. Uh, it's in the Mac App Store. And what it is is a um, – it connects to – Gmail, uh, G Drive, Dropbox, uh, I think Evernote is in there too. Um, yeah, Evernote, Dropbox, your Mac, Google Drive, Gmail, and several other cloud services. And it's like Spotlight for everything. So you type in what you're looking for and it will scour all of your services at once and let you know where they are. Um, and that's become really that, handy too. Yeah, that, that must be useful. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm on Google Drive and Dropbox, Dropbox and I keep forgetting where I put stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, that, uh, same here. I, I throw stuff in both and I, I tend to lose track of things. And so, like, if I'm looking for an old resume, that's where the first place I go is into found. Oh, nice. Okay, and then on the iPhone? On the iPhone, I've got the iPhone 5, um, caseless. I'm actually using the Dodo Notes case, which is the notebook with the elastic band, and it's got a... Oh, it's like a moleskin and... Uh, pretty much, no, yeah. And it's, it's got a, a little cutout for the iPhone. Yeah, it has a, an actual notebook on it, right? Yes, there's a there's an actual notepad behind it. Um, and so for the for software, I'm running the iOS 7 beta. Oh, God. Um, I, I heard the last one is actually okay, right? I'm a, yeah, beta 5 is, is fine, and there is a bug in, in Instagram that they finally patched, so I can use Instagram again. Um, so, yes, Instagram. Um, I use Reader. I've actually, ever since Google Reader died, I haven't really used RSS much. I sort of dip in and out as necessary. Um, but I, I'm sort of out of the whole RSS thing for the most part. Um, repost for my app.net account, whisper for the private messages on app.net. Uh, Instacast is my go-to podcatcher. Sorry, Zach. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shazam is on my home screen. I use it quite a bit. I listen to, I still listen to the radio. Um, mint for my, um, website stats and, oh, ever since my Apple TV remote busted, I've been using the remote app on my iPhone and it's been fine. And that's on sitting on my home screen. So. How, how did you bust the aluminum? It, I sat on it, uh, and it squished, and so the buttons don't go, they're not mapped to where they should be anymore, so when you press down, it actually like plays what's on the screen. It's, it's really bad. 
So I have to buy it. <laughs> okay, oh, that's an accomplishment, I think, yeah. to destroy that. I, I have to buy a new one, and I just haven't gotten around to it. Oh, and then there, there are two apps I really like. One is um, from Penguin. It's called Poems, uh, Poems by Heart. And it actually teaches you to learn certain poems. So you start off easy with like four and five line poems. And then um, as you progress, you get up to Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner Part 7 and, you know, 30 line poems. So I've been using that quite a bit. Um, and then quote book is another really good one. And it just allows you to store quotations that you come across throughout your life. Oh, nice. The poem one, I think I'm going to try that one. That's yeah, it's kind of, free. And then know, what you, the whole liberal arts. Yeah, thing. it's free. And then you actually, they give you a couple of sample poems to start off with. And then you can buy packages. So you get, um, packages of six or seven poems for a dollar. And then you can learn those. No, nice. So. Okay, so uh, you said you had a Nook. Yes. Why? Uh, well, this was from several years ago. Um, I This is back before the Kindle Touch and the Kindle 4 even, I think. Um, I liked the idea of the Nook. I liked the the size of it, the shape of it. I liked the second screen. with It's the original Nook. I don't have a new one. It's, uh, it's the <laughs> one with the... the, the Android-based second screen that you can scroll through, the color one. Um, so, yeah, I just, I love it. And I never upgraded it because it works. So I, I'm i not, that's one of those things where if it still lets me read a book, I'm not really inclined to uh, upgrade it anytime soon. Man, yeah, nice, because I've never met anyone that actually bought a Nook. Yeah, that's what the, I want let me tell you, I th- and I think the Nook hardware, even the new Nook hardware, not the tablets, but the, the e-ink ones, I think they're better than the Kindles. Um, I think the Nook the the it's not the paperwhite that's the Kindle but the the latest Nook Touch with the light behind it and the the better screen I think that's a better piece of kit than the Kindle. Um, yeah, I just uh, reviewed the the Kobo Touch and the Kobo Glow. Uh, the Glow is kind of the paperwhite uh, equipment. How are those? And yeah, they're kind of, they're also kind of they they look better and the 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 materials are a little better, but the software's crappy. Yeah. yeah. So how's the software on the Nook? I've never had a problem with the Nook software. I the second screen was kind of uh, laggy and and jittery, but the the method for getting through the menus on the top on the e ink they were always fine. I don't understand why they put web browsers on these devices. These e ink devices they're utterly useless. But um, they are not useless. I'm, I'm, uh, you see Americans again. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain. I've explained this a couple of times, but I'll do it again. I have the Kindle 3 3G. Okay. And you got basically free uh, 3G internet access with that one. I think it's capped at like 10 megs now. Yeah. So I get free internet wherever I go. But is it? You see, and the roaming chargers over in Europe, I talked this about this with Chris Gonzalez, are insane. Really? And that thing just pays for itself every summer when I go abroad. And you don't – see, the the thing I found with it is that it was painfully slow to load even Google.com. I, I, for me, I just – I couldn't get through it. And it wasn't even a matter of, oh, this is taking four seconds instead of three seconds. It was taking like a minute and a half to load a web page. No, I just I just uh, load the, the HTML version of Gmail. Huh. And then a couple of, you know, Slovene news sites. So, you know, okay, I, yeah. I, I know what's going on back home when I'm not there. I, I haven't tried loading The Verge on it, but I'd be interested to see how, you know, <laughs> yeah, four hours later we're yeah. still loading. <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, I, I, that browser, that's the only reason I'm not upgrading. 
because of the free internet. I'm serious. I would love the Paperwhite because I like the light and all of that stuff, but I am not upgrading just because of the free internet. It's actually the, the light, the light in that I, I much prefer. I don't read a lot on my iPad. I have an iPad 4 also. Um, and I don't read a lot on that or the phone primarily because of the backlight. I don't like reading on a screen like that. And it's also why I've gone back to paper. I, I still think e-ink and paper are the best for reading long form pieces. Yeah, that's true. That is, I completely agree. So do you have any like iPad specific apps you use? iPad specific, oh, Textastic. Although that there is an iPhone version, I don't own it. Um, Textastic is a, it's a code editor, but it's also for, um, I use it to write blog posts on the iPad and it has a built-in FTP client. So I can upload, once I'm done writing my post, I can just upload it right from Textastic to CuriousRat.com. Uh, that's been a, a major help because Curious Rat runs on um, a static blogging engine called Statamic or Statamic. Um, and every one of my blog posts is just a .md file that I upload to a server. So I don't have to worry about WordPress or plugins or any of that. Yeah, and that was actually something I wanted to talk to you about. So, so has it been the static CMS the whole time? Or? No, originally it was on Squarespace. Um, I was on Squarespace ah. Five. Squarespace Five was fine, a little limited in what I could do, but I didn't really care at the time. I upgraded to Squarespace Six, and that just completely dropped the capabilities of the site and and the CMS to where I was struggling to do certain things. I couldn't customize it the way I wanted to. I wanted to add certain things to the site. I couldn't do it. Um, and then what really irked me and what pushed me away from it was I set my template up a certain way. I hid certain things. I don't show tags on my site. I don't show categories. It's the title, the date, and the content of every blog post. I would come back to my site after a day and suddenly my template changed and I could see tags again because Squarespace decided to update something in the back end and didn't tell anybody. And so I would file bug reports and say, this needs to be fixed. How do I get rid of this again? You guys keep changing it. And they'd either – once I think they actually were able to help me, but after that it was like, oh, well, there's nothing we can do about it. And I said, you know what? Fine. I'm done. I'm not paying for this anymore. I'm, I'm not getting what I'm paying for. So I, it was like $35, $36 for a, a Statomic license. Downloaded it, installed it. I was up and running in 10 minutes. The longest part of the whole thing was reconfiguring the design of the site. So I basically – I had two windows open. I had um, a local a local version of my new site running and then a page with Squarespace open so I could copy and paste styles left and right. So I could get the look <laughs> nice. of my site back the way I was. And then once I was done, I closed my account on Squarespace and left. Okay. So are there any like drawbacks to the whole static CMS, like stuff you maybe miss uh, that was on Squarespace and it's not available anymore? Um, yeah, I mean, Square, a lot, Squarespace automated a lot of stuff. The, the big thing for me was um, – the way Squarespace scaled visitors. I've been fireballed once or twice. I've been on the loop several times. And when you get linked on one of those sites, your stats just skyrocket. So Squarespace handled that like a pro. And for $20 a month, even if I had 50,000 hits to the site, they didn't care. I was still paying the same $20 a month. I'm on Media Temple now. And the first version of Statomic I was running didn't have the kind of caching I needed to accommodate that load. So I had been linked on the loop and then suddenly my bill shot up to $100 and I should have been paying the $20, the same $20 <laughs> I was paying on Squarespace. So uh, that the first couple of months were a little rough with that. 
Um, and then also everything is, is DIY now. If I need to add something to the site, I've got to do it myself, it, which is a blessing and a curse. I'm glad that I have that kind of control, but I'm not a tinkerer. Like once it's set up, I just want to leave it and go. But if I need to change or add something, I kind of miss the way the CMS that Squarespace had. It, uh, it, it made certain things a lot easier. No, see, I, that was actually that's my second to last question, and you kind of brought it up. So kudos. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and then my last question, which is also always the same: uh, What would be that one physical thing that you thought was kind of made for you? You know, you might still have it, you might not anymore, but that one thing that actually kind of made sense to you in a way that other stuff doesn't. It just has to be something physical. It doesn't need to be a gadget, or it can be a gadget. Something, something want. physical like, that was just made for me. That yeah. Hmm. That's a good question. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to say, and I, I've been a, a, a saxophone player for 20 years, and I'm going to say the saxophone I have now, I've had it since I was a teenager, um, that, that horn and I have been inseparable for, I'd say, since since I got it, and I just I know that horn inside out, and the sound I get out of it is unparalleled, and that that instrument for me is just that was made for me. Awesome! I've never uh, nobody has said it like a musical instrument before. So awesome! That's a great answer. Oh, thank you, <laughs> um, Harry. That that's pretty much it, dude. Thanks for doing this. This has been awesome. Thank you. I don't ever since I left N30, I don't get the podcast that much. So this has been this uh, is great. <laughs> 